0: for taylor davis first major league
1: home run show and go with taylor davis today is friday march 31st it is the day after mlb opening day it is AAA opening day and then you got the rest of the minor leagues to follow but our guest today has spent parts of seven major league seasons up at the big league level five of which with the cubs he's got a ring i don't know if you got it on right now albert almora jr no show uh where do you keep the ring
0: um I keep it I keep it locked up in uh with the bank in the bank somewhere somewhere safe
1: good good yeah, you know, yeah. give me your first memories of getting to know Taylor Davis because obviously you guys were in the same org you came up together what, yeah. what was TD like at that point and I mean you were a really young guy you debuted in 16 at 22 years old
0: Yes, uh, I think I met uh, TD. Remind me, was it Double A? I think my first thing in Double A, yeah,
2: Tennessee, yeah,
0: yeah. And then uh, honestly, just watching the guy, I have. So I, I, came up out of high school, and really, I didn't start playing cards and stuff till to the minor yeah. leagues, and that's how me and TD actually started, you know, talking, and uh, we've been best but We've been we played together after that for oof, how many Long years? Time. Yeah, and, I mean, played against of like six years probably. Yeah, yeah. We we, he's seen me without kids. I've seen him without kids. It's it's the good times, you know.
1: What were your thoughts on the hair when he had it?
0: Oh, I was actually there when uh when they cut it it, when that whole situation went down with uh with Joe Madden's uh like uh his um his charity. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. I remember I remember we were in stretch talking about it. Like, hey, there's no way you're doing it. He's like, oh, you know, they pay enough. And I was like, that
1: was, that was fun. That was a fun time. TD, you caught Albert when he was really young, like not literally caught, but you were teammates with him when he was really young. What do you remember about a young Albert Almora?
2: So the funny thing is, so one of my best, uh, I mean, still to this day we keep in touch was a, was a scout with the Cubs. And I'll never forget um, like right after I signed, I was talking to him. It was a guy that signed me and he was our scouting director at the time. And, you know, I've always been a baseball nerd. Like, I've always kept up with drafts. I've always kept up with trips. Like, I just love doing that. So I'd always ask him, like, hey, like, what do we got? What are we thinking? You know, we we had high picks every year, so they were fun conversations. And I'll never forget this conversation. He, he goes, you know, there may be some people that call me crazy. He's like, but I love this kid in Miami. And he's like, I think he's the most – he's he's one of the most major league ready outfielders I've seen as a high school player. He said, and then he goes, and he's got this tree. And he calls it <laughs> like three times a day. Uh, but no, I, I got to see Albert, Albert when he was when he was young, and and uh, you know, Albert was far ahead of his time maturity-wise on the field. Um, off the field, he's been a pretty mature kid too. But you know, the reality was like he didn't play like a 19 year old um he, he you know and like part of that and i don't know if he attribute i don't know if you attribute any of this but like i feel like playing on all those usa teams had to help you with that
0: 100% no doubt i mean uh that helped me grow so much you know at a young age going international internationally to different places and no parents just kind of on your own and with the guys it honestly got me ready for pro ball and that aspect of just you're with your teammates twenty four seven. You know, even outside of the uh, of the game, which is, it's how it, how it was. And even yeah. I, I started once you get to the big leagues, I feel like that kind of goes away. That kind of aspect of it, everybody kind of does their own thing. But the, I mean, the the best times I've been in the minor leagues, without a doubt. But uh, but yeah, it's a. I think it's USA is a big help for me.
1: So a couple of questions about, like, coming up, right? I want to ask about the draft, but before that, you're from Hialeah, Florida, and you got, what, Nick Castellanos is from Hialeah, Gio Gonzalez is from Hialeah, Nestor went to Hialeah. That feels like a baseball powerhouse, man. Like, what was the competition like, and who are some of those names that you saw even at the high school level or even, like, growing up in Little League? Who were you playing with?
0: Yeah, we had – I mean, I played with Manny Machado, Till like we were twelve years old, and then we, you know, even if he went to my first, he went to my high school. Then he transferred out, but uh, we played together growing up. I mean, me and Manny and Gio all lived within like a mile radius of each other. It was it was crazy, but Gio was a little older, so was Nick, um, so does Manny. But I I ended up playing with Manny. I played up. I always played higher than my than my age. So, um, I uh I enjoyed it. Those those I I went to actually went to a high school game now, and it's it's completely different from when I was there I felt the uh, the game obviously I'm older and I see the game different but you can tell that the competition wasn't as as intense as it was when I was when we were you know getting to my later years in high school but uh it was a, it was a lot of uh a lot of you know small runs and a lot of pitching a lot of, a lot of good good arms out there so
2: it was fun yeah those those are let like that like that like two thousand eight to like two thousand fourteen, state of Florida. Yeah, Ice Nieto. Yeah, start- oh eight was Hosmer Nieto and all those yeah. guys. Yeah, Tim and then and then from that point on, dude, like it just the state of Florida really blossomed for a bit. Uh, yeah, You saw yeah, a bunch of it? like. That team, that team, were you on that team, um, the FTB team that was like unbelievable? That was a good team as well. I played that for that Jupiter Worldwood bat. That, yeah,
0: and that was it was me and center, Winker and right, David Dahl as well. Uh I mean it was just stacked. Uh Javi was Jose Fernandez was there. Javi it was like Javi Lindor and Boglebach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the year before me when that whole squad I saw those from uh, okay. from uh, a <laughs> I enjoyed this. I enjoyed watching that as a fan too. So even at a young age, you you knew those guys. You knew guys, right? You knew like names, and you always wanted to see how they were playing. So uh, those were some great times, man.
1: Hold on. What what team is this? Was that like a travel organization or something?
0: Yeah, it was just like this. The FTB was a a really respected uh, high school like travel ball team where they got a lot of great athletes, a lot of great players together, and for this, especially for this one tournament. Like The world bat, it's in yeah. Jupiter, and uh, they used to get all the guys together, and it was fun. It was, uh, it really was the creme de la crop there, man. Not a, just on yeah. our team, but we never Ju- won, you know, it was crazy. It was, it was so, those, Bup- those
2: Jupiter, exactly. Uh, Jupiter is very well known in the high school for that one tournament. Okay. Yeah, there's they host other perfect game stuff, but there it's called the Worldwood Bat, the WWBA. It's yeah. hosted in Jupiter every fall. So that's the thing. October is right. Yeah, every October. You, you do every – like all these tournaments typically happen in the spring and summer. This one happens in the fall, and it is the tournament. Yeah. They they have to outsource golf carts. I, so the first time we got to play in it, we were from Jupiter, and we had some pretty good players, but, like, we didn't really have a team. Like, we just put these guys together, which a lot of these teams do, but they're, they're run under organizations like FTB or whatever it may be. We didn't have a team. And so we had to have ex major leaguers call to verify our players. They were like guys in front offices and major league coaches call and say, Hey, like you guys these guys are good. Like you should let wow. them play. Wow. So we ended up playing we ended up playing the first game like the day before the World War II best started because we were in Jupiter. So they were like, Hey, you guys want to play the first game? And we and I like still to this day I've never played in front of more scouts. In like it was absolute because we were the only game going on, and everybody was there.
1: <laughs> so you guys were what, like 15, 16 years old, and how many, like, so ballpark your, your estimate? Big,
2: you go your junior year and your senior year.
0: Yeah. Damn. Your senior
2: year, like the fall of your senior year, that's like, that's when you, like, that's the, those guys, that's the team that he was talking about before they had, like, it was like Baez, Lindor, Winker, Vogelbach, uh Manny was on that team. Jose Fernandez was on that team. It was a joke. Dude. Yeah.
1: Ballpark estimate. Awesome. How many scouts were in attendance?
2: They're, it
0: surrounded the whole the yeah. whole
2: they're yeah, like yeah. layers deep. They're they're behind backstops, layers. I mean, there's probably a thousand dudes yeah, there. I
0: mean, Thank From- you. Sorry, the came in.
2: It's crazy, dude. I mean, I've literally watched. I, I I know for a fact that like scholarships are given out at that tournament. Like guys, for sure, no like doubt. Like a performance, no and doubt. they're like, all right, like I'm. Even for draft, done. I feel like
0: people are add draft value, or you know, obviously, but it's it's and uh, they get to they get to know families a lot there. It's everybody's just always creeping around. It's it's a
2: uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting for guys so, that, like have never been around it. It's the first taste of like big baseball. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: When when did you commit to Miami cuz obviously you were like you know top 10 player in America like you were the sixth overall pick in 2012 Obviously we heard like what Tristan Costas I think was eight, eighth grade when he commit to Miami Yeah
0: No How I uh I had committed to a, a previous university earlier like they're on that eighth grade I I committed to FIU and I didn't know, I didn't, I was just the first college that I'd offered me something. So I was like, oh, this is, you know, that's the, the dream of mine, honestly, was just to go to college and, and, you know, get my education. And then, and then I, a couple of years later, I think my freshman year, end of freshman year, Miami reached out and I, I've always been a Miami fan. I, once I saw the opportunity, I, you know, I committed to there right away. It's all verbal, right? It's all verbal. You can't sign anything till your junior year, but. So I just verbally committed and that was it. That was history. Got you. Um, now,
1: at what point did you really know that, you know, the top 10 in that draft w- was coming? Cause you know, I take a look at the five guys that went in front of you. Correa was an Academy guy in Puerto Rico yep. and then Buxton was another high school outfielder, but then you had Zanino at Florida, you had Kevin Gosman at LSU and then yep. Kyle Zimmer, who was a stud at USF. Yep. So, like, where did you feel like you were
0: gonna go there? Oh, man, I I really didn't. Uh, I, I I had a feeling I was gonna go in the first round. I didn't know how high. Um, I think a couple days before or a week before the draft, I did a workout at Marlins Stadium. Like it had just that new stadium that they just. Uh, it was it was brand new. I think I I was hitting there before they actually played a major league game there. It was like right before yeah. the um the season, but um um and they had nine they had nine so i thought i thought maybe it was there that was a good pick maybe i don't know uh i was uh, along for the ride um i wanted to go the way i was my mind i wanted to go one one i i tried to do my best throughout season to and usa to, to put myself in the best situation and then i just let whatever fate determine wherever i go so i was super super happy too with, with chicago
1: I'll let Taylor jump in here in a moment, but did you hit the crappy statue during BP when you were at uh, Marlins park? Did you hit that thing in left center?
0: No, you know what they hit? It. I was I was a seven, eight, just turned 18 little skinny kid. And they closed the roof and opened the back where everything just felt so humid and, and it didn't go anywhere. And they just, I was so nervous. I would just kept hitting balls. They would keep throwing. I just kept hitting. I didn't even look at my swing. I was just like this. I just wanted to hit as hard as I can as far. So, I can't tell you one round of BP that I had that one day. Love that.
2: No, that's funny. That's good. That's good. That's I, uh, you know, like just looking back on, on like your path and your journey and like, was there a a part in, in minor league baseball that like when it clicked to you that you were ready to be in the big leagues? Well, that's a good question. Um, I've, no, I first- I, we talk about and Albert, like we I feel like as players, we talk about this all the time. Like you in high school and you get drafted, I don't care if you're the first pick or you're the last pick, you think you you think you're ready for the big leagues. That's like, what I was gonna
0: get to. That's what I was and gonna I get think to.
2: That, I yeah. I think that there comes a point when you get to like a ball to double A, most guys, where you're like, Man, like this isn't a gimme anymore. This for is sure. like for you know sure. and i even though you made it at 22 like you didn't have an easy path like you really didn't no you know you <laughs> earn everything you got to get yeah. there um and i just wonder if that like that ever hit you like did it ever hit you before getting the call that like you know what like man like this is i, I i'm ready so
0: like you said when i first got drafted i was my confidence especially def- as a defender my confidence was through so i was like hey i could go get it with the best of them right now um and i thought in my head i go i'll grind hitting you know i could grind the offensive part but but i didn't i didn't i didn't feel so once you get to double a that's the big jump right i feel like the high a to double a you start getting guys that could command their stuff better you start getting more uh some older guys that have experience and you're just you know it's a different ball game the game speeds up just a tad more so i feel like once i got there i did have to make an adjustment i had to make i, I went through a period where I, where i had to get a little smarter i had to get a little bit more under control and not that try to be a freak athlete this whole time so once i made that adjustment i think my second go around with in double a I, I i got more comfortable uh, and then AAA, and then honestly, I made my biggest adjustment once I get came back from the big leagues. That first time, I was like, "All right, that is where I gotta be." I know exactly how people work, how how they're going about their 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 day, how they're they're taking their at bats. So that's when you really start learning. But I'm still learning now. You know how you know, know. It, you know how it is that you, you don't every season is a learning curve. Somehow, you your, your body changes, your mind changes. You want to do different things, so.
2: It's it's always a
0: constant adjustment.
2: I've always said that I think the biggest jump in talent is from high A to double A, and so I, I here's what I tell people is like, in high and this is no offense to anybody you know that only got but like in high A there are there are spots in the lineup that are just players shouldn't be there. Yeah, when you. Double A everybody in double a could play in the big leagues i believe that if you get put in the right spot in the right time if you're playing every day in double a yeah and then i think the i think the the jump from double a to triple a is just the really the biggest jump i noticed on the defensive side it's a little bit cleaner um you know balls are hitting the dirt and even if it's not even if we're not talking about errors like just the game is cleaner and then on the pitching side guys don't pitch with their guys don't pitch with their egos in double A, guys will still pitch with their egos. You can I agree with, that.
0: with that,
2: yeah. And I like I specifically remember like when I went down. So I was up and d- I was there in fourteen, up and down to fifteen and sixteen. And I specifically remember in sixteen going down one time and like thinking they. I just remember this one scenario: there was bases loaded. This guy had a big fastball, and he had beat me with it once in the at bat. And I just remember the rest of the at bat in my head. I was like, I'm just that's all he's going to throw me, and sure enough, that's all he threw me like six times in a row just to, because he wanted to prove that he could get me out with that yeah piece. he could get it offensive that's his mm-hmm. best
0: bullet that's what he's gonna die with but guys in triple a wouldn't care they'd no. mix in something Actually, yeah. yeah yeah you know. yeah I, I agree
1: it's really interesting to me and i mean like you know you're probably a guy that was circled for a really long time when you were coming up pre-2016 and i mean hey even after that right you were a top 100 guy by pipeline and a couple of these other places five different years so obviously you know teams are paying attention to you and from the outside perspective it's oh he's a top 100 guy who's the former six overall pick it should just be like a steady ascension and you're there was there a speed bump at any point pre-16 in your debut
2: um
0: i mean in my in my eyes right you want to go and you want to you want to help the big league team right away but I think everything worked out perfectly in in that aspect. Um, would I have wanted to get there earlier? Of course, we wouldn't. Have, but but you you look at the team, the way the team was trajectorying. They had they had the pieces already to to go after a serious run. So I, I knew that situation. It wasn't like a situation where a couple years earlier where they were just kind of giving guys chances, you know, uh, which. Sometimes that's the luck of the draw. You get your you get teams that, you're, that are running contention, but you just try to help those teams however much you can. So when I got the call in 16, I understood my assignment. It was like I, I was trying to do my best so I could help, but I, I didn't want to be a distraction from that World Series team. You know, I just wanted to go in and whatever I could do to help, hey, if you guys need me to go back down, go so be it. So it wasn't until uh, 17 where I was like, all right, this is it. I'm going to try to st- – I'm staying. You know, I swear I – kind of like that. But uh, the 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 up and downs are are gonna happen, and the especially in the mental side of the game, man. The that's the toughest part. So those are always gonna happen during the year.
2: We talked about that on the last episode, actually. I'm gonna yeah. get a guy. We're I gotta admit, our one of our, like our mental coordinators <laughs> gonna come on. Um, have you
0: seen? Sorry, have you seen like Mark Appel him him writing these tweets yeah. and like writing these little stories and stuff? Oh, are they it's good. Really interesting. He the way he's like, he writes his, what's going on, basically what's going on with him and his career. And it just, it could speak to a lot of players. And like, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty,
1: yeah. I'll send you one of those threads after this. Also, I'm not sure if you guys saw, but Daniel Bard is like starting the year kind of on the inactive list because he's going through anxiety. And, you know, that's one of like the very few times that guys are actually open about that type of thing. And we know about his past, so that's yeah. got to be like a positive thing that's coming out of, you know, th- this this concerted effort to prioritize mental health. Right. Everybody is starting to be a lot more receptive to to situations like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's been growing in the game at a rapid pace, especially as I was coming up. They started introducing that while we were coming up. And <clears throat> at first, obviously, it's a stick It has its own stigma, but I'm, I'm glad it's it's. It's getting uh, more comfortable to talk to to talk about now, but uh, yeah, Daniel Bard, that was a, we I, I we witnessed it with Chicago when he was with us. It was tough. It was tough for him, and uh, then he, he became that. an All Star after that.
2: So, I yeah, I, I wish the best for Daniel Bard. I I really hope that I'm sure the Altuve thing was just that. that I know that. it's
0: a terrible, terrible situation, uh, man.
2: I'll, going back to your your thing. Um, I do think that part of the reason that he didn't that you didn't go up earlier was because you were more than just a, a fourth outfielder, and then you had Fowler at the time who was leading up. And like to Dexter's credit, he was never better than when he was with the Cubs. Oh, so he
0: was the he was the glue to that team, and it started with him. So,
2: and I learned right. a lot from him too, which was great. Yeah, yeah. and he was a, he was a he was a great guy to have around. I mean, I I will never forget the moment we were all sitting on the mound when he came back in in sixteen.
0: Remember that? Yes. That was, so, that was cool. So Jack, we very, cool.
2: so he was there and that was 16, right? That was 16. Yes. So in 15, so in 15, he was there and, but he only had signed a one year, he'd signed a one year deal with an opt out. Yeah. And he opted out after 15. Uh, and we went through like, you know, we were, I don't know, probably two weeks into camp and in 16. And at the end of the day, uh, we all got on, like they said, Hey, like, let's talk about it. Gala got on the mound. And, um, the strength guy, bussy, like, hey, look down the line, and everybody turned and looked, and Fowler was walking into the group. Yeah, yeah,
0: they,
2: a- and it took everybody a second. At the beginning, everyone was like, "What is he just here to hang?" Oh, yeah, yeah. we brought oh, him back.
0: Yeah, yeah, nice. that was the start. That was the start of that special season, without a doubt. And there was
2: there was so much cool stuff that happened, and you know, like. I, you know, I, I talk about all the time about how there were so many corny little things that were started in Chicago. And at the end of the day, I really think a lot of those added up to some really cool culture. Like, I'm not sure that anybody in the I now I've not been with anybody else. But the, the culture that was created from the time I was there until they won that World Series in those four years, everybody wanted to be at the field every day, no matter which affiliate you were at. Yeah, you there, enjoyed
0: coming to work for sure. Yes.
2: And there was this overwhelming drive of pride being a Chicago Cub. And I think that's what's driven me to believe in culture. Because I really didn't. Like, I didn't really believe in culture. I mean, I think it's a thing. But I was always like, dude, if get the best players. Who cares? It's corny, yeah.
1: right? Like, oh, you know, all these culture-setting things. Like, I don't know. We're all grown men. We don't need that. But all of a sudden, when it happens enough and you spend, like, every waking minute with these guys, it probably matters.
2: Yeah, and
0: you know what? That there, a lot of guys that have been in different organizations would always, at least, I would always hear, "Hey, man, like this isn't like this in a lot of places." You know this. So it wasn't until I was in different organizations that I saw. It's like, oh, that what 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 we had then was very special, and yeah. that's what really what it takes to to win and to to go that far. Because it's everybody plays. We could all. If we all have a seven-game series against every team, you know, it could go either way, but it's how well you get along, how well you... It really does... It is corny, but it really comes down to that.
1: Well, and that also probably lit that competitive fire under your butt when you came up, right? You debut in June, and obviously all you guys are hyper-competitive. You want to be put in the most pressure-packed moments, right? Like, nobody wants to you know, nobody thinks of the big moment in their major league career as like fourth inning down three. It's, it's all like, I want to play on a winning team. I want to do that yeah. right away. So you come up in June and you're on a team that eventually wins the world series. You guys won hundred games that year. best team in He's baseball from pole to pole. What kind of competitive fire did you have during that season coming up and being like, whatever my role is, I'm going to kick ass in it.
0: Well, I'll, I'll share a good, a quick story. So what, Coming up in the minor leagues, you're always what I was always taught was: hey, if you get to the big leagues, it's at first it's head down, do as you're told, like don't get anybody's way, be the first to do everything, whatever. So you know respect the veterans, and and um. So I remember getting called up, and I was at my I was in Philadelphia. We're on the road, and I was at my locker, just kind of just getting ready to go off for stretch, and I got to tap my shoulder, and Dave Ross sits next to me. And he goes, hey man, I don't care if you're a rookie. I don't care if you got 10 years. You're here to help us win. Don't act different. Don't put pressure on yourself. Just be you. And him telling me that took so much off where I could just have fun and be myself. Cause I, I even though I'm a quiet person in general, I still like to have fun and enjoy. And I, so I, I didn't know I was gonna be like I was gonna be quiet. I was gonna be too reserved, but. But when he told me that it, it was, and we won that day and it was a good celebration. We used to celebrate after we win. So just that me breaking into like that, I knew that I was just a little piece in a puzzle. I was like, all right, I just got to come to work, you know, come to work, give it everything I can defensively, offensively, whatever I could, And then, you know, go home satisfied. And that's what we did until the last game of the season. So.
2: Yeah. It's sick. That, I mean, that team was built of, of a group of first rounders and, yeah. Really, really good players so like yeah. you know the the culture around that group we talked about it, it was fantastic um but like everybody really just truly wanted to win and i think that you know another corny thing but like a lot of people on that team knew their role right like yeah. there were superstars on that team we all know that um there were guys that were not superstars on that team that played big roles you did arguably the the biggest thing of the world series when you t- tagged up at first right like it, it, you were probably not even a thought for them at the beginning of the year to no. that in game seven, <laughs> like for that to, to happen, it takes everybody buying in and that's yeah. what I think happened. And that's yeah. why, that's why like when you talk about the culture, that's why it matters is because everybody's got to buy in because you never know who's going to play a role you're going to tell me that people knew that David Bodie was going to hit that grand slam against the oh, national and become oh, a no piece sense. of that lineup for, for three years. Like right. no way. Right. Two years ago, that guy was in, in triple a on and off the, the phantom DL.
0: Going from triple a to the short season, like kind of in and off, like we're just trying to play somewhere. What, a, I mean, we would tell him, we would tell him that all the time. The story he, what he had was, was very special, man. And, not a lot of people stick it out like that. So, dude, kudos, man. Kudos to him. But, but even like in 16 with Tommy, Tommy Lestella, that guy ended up being an all star, everyday player. And he wasn't, you know, he he was with the boys. He was there. I don't think he, I don't, don't quote me. That. Was he on the roster? I don't know if he was or not. I don't think was.
1: not he, he left off, off for one of the series? For, I, think I think he was. He was.
0: For,
2: for one of the series, yeah.
0: And that guy, that guy's a, a natural hitter, just a. Maybe for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it was with Schwarber.
2: That's but, there was a there was a lot of cool stuff. I mean Rob Z, Rob Z played a big role that year. I know. Like, I was there uh-huh. We don't
0: we don't we can't curse here, right? We can't curse no, You game. can? Yeah, do what you want. I'll never <laughs> I'll never forget. I was sitting next to Rob Z in game seven when Rajai Davis hit the homer to to tie the game. And you could hear literally a pencil drop in our dugout. And all of a sudden, all I hear is someone yell <laughs> down in the dugout. And it was Rob Z. I'll never forget that. He was standing right he, next to me. All I heard him was yell that. In you the know midst of all silence, it was great. What a sh- Now looking back, it was great.
2: We had we had Rob Z on the podcast and he told us that exact story that he was really. Me. I swear to you. Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes, yes, man. That was because we yes. told, we
2: told, man. We told the story. Did you ever know the story about his locker? His, lo- his after locker. After the game. After the game. No. What happened? So after game seven, one of the photographers stood in his locker and tore down the plastic in his locker, just his locker, and then left. And Rob was across the locker room, so he walked in the locker room, watching his clothes, phone, everything get. Just get, get crushed with champagne. No. So no, 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 nothing. I didn't know that. Yeah, and he was watching it. He's watching it across the way.
0: <laughs> he couldn't he do like, anything about it. There it is. Man. At that yeah. time, you just gotta wear it. You just gotta wear that. Yeah, you
1: That's gotta funny. be at peace with it. You just gotta let life happen and enjoy your. Just won
0: game seven. Who cares? <laughs> oh, yeah. who cares? Who cares? Who cares? T D. How's that? How's coaching? How is
2: it? Um. I, I tell everybody that it's it's I mean, I, I don't mind it. I mean, you know me, I think it kind of fit me as it was, but uh it's not too bad yet because they haven't started talking about players yet, so I haven't heard anything bad about players, so it's been fine. uh nice. but no, it's been it's been cool. Um, starting to like, I'll tell you this, you know the 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 biggest surprise to me is how much um they're really like teaching the code, like how much we're getting taught like, oh really? not dude i i promise you we haven't really even talked about players it's been learning how the body moves and learning how the swing works and like just being this giant like i don't know i didn't expect coaches to be doing this much learning i expected it yeah. to be much more player evaluation let's put let's put lineups together let's put drills together like no have so you guys started playing yet just i mean no and we won't they actually just uh tomorrow's the is it tomorrow no saturday is the last day of spring training okay um and then we get a week off actually and then we'll come back and we i'll do we'll do extended which i never did extended as a player so it's my first time doing as extended and then uh i think games for that start like the middle of april okay um, but amber's do with the amber's do at the end of of april first week of may Oh, So I'm about, about to have two kids. I'm about to be feeling your pain. I'm about to have oh, two man. kids running around. Exponentially multiplies my anxiety. Dude,
0: Dude. crazy. I mean,
1: question <laughs> for both of you guys What is dad life like as a player? I mean, that's got to be yeah. a tough thing to balance. But I mean, Taylor, I've heard you say like the coolest thing in the world is bringing your kid out onto the field post game. I mean, what's it like for you, Albert? It's
2: yeah, Albert, uh, you got to tell, you tell your story too. Amber, Amber told me like about. How you were in fifteen different cities during the birth?
0: Oh yeah. So I, I was actually—it's crazy how the world works. Uh, I was hurt when uh, when Crystal and my uh, she was around eight and a half months pregnant, and I was we were in we were where we, were, we were in Sacramento I think we were playing we we're in Sacramento, and my thumb wasn't getting better. It was supposed to be right, like a, it was like right. yeah it was like a, it was supposed to be just like I jammed my thumb little but it never got better so lo and behold they're like hey you know what we're gonna send you to chicago to get an mri and take a look with the team doc. and crystal was already there waiting to give birth so i text her i'm like oh i'm all excited. Like, all right, I'm gonna get to see you for at least a day or two um get i get on my flight land as soon as i land uh she calls me and she always likes to call me, like oh where you at like how, how long you got left you got 10 minutes or whatever and i I kind of answered the phone a little aggravated. I was like, "What's up? What we got?" I'm almost there, and she is like, "Uh, I think my water broke." And that's how that's how quick it happened. I literally was there to get an MRI, and if we did the math and we did the timing, if she had called me and I was in second, I wouldn't have made it. Like she gave birth so fast, everything happened so quick, I wouldn't have made it in time. If if... I'd already been headed there, yeah. So it ended up working out. That's an insane blessing. Crazy crazy. And she was she would have been alone cuz she's from Philadelphia. So she had nobody with her. Um so yeah, it was uh everything happens for a reason and that was a really I got to see the birth of my first son and super blessed. Super blessed.
1: You're spending a lot of time with them, you know, this year yeah. obviously recovering from shoulder surgery. Um you, yeah. you said you were playing through it pretty much all the last year. Was it a labrum thing?
0: Uh so Man, it was a little bit of everything. I had a little tear in my labor room, but the, most of the damage was in the rotator cuff. Um, yeah, I signed. Last year was kind of a weird, uh, strange year since the lockout a little bit pushed everything back in negotiations. And then I ended up signing, I think, with a couple weeks left of camp before you break. So I, sh- when I signed, I tried to go in there, guns blazing, trying to, you know, perform. And I was throwing in the offseason, but it was painful. It, started, it was so – I usually – it usually happens in spring where I, it would hurt, but it would just kind of warm up as a, as I would start throwing every day. It would kind of go, it would start, you know, lubing up and getting nice and loose. But once I got there and I started throwing right away, long toss, started throwing the bases, and I didn't feel right. It started. I started changing the way I started throwing. I let them know. Got a cortisone shot. It lasted about till August, and then I one game against the Pirates. Actually, I made a couple diving plays, and on the last diving play. I came up feeling a little weird. I tried to tuck my jersey in, and I, my arm locked up. And that was it. That was it. I got. I was. I went on the DL, but I, you know, the doctor said they only saw a little bit of a like a jammed shoulder. So I, I got another cortisone shot in the joint. Lasted about a week. I, I, you know, the last game of rehab, I felt it a little bit, but I, I decided to come. I was like, I told them, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm gonna go. I want to try to compete, and I don't know. That's just the way I'm in played one game. Then they sent me home. They wanted, they said they wanted to let younger guys get a chance. So once I got home, literally the next day I got home, I couldn't lift my arm up. It was out. So I tried to rehab it from September to December because the doctor I went to saw that, you know, they saw the same thing. It was just a jam shoulder. And then I never, I couldn't lift a five pound dumbbell in front of my face in December. So at that time I said, I called it and, got got surgery and the doctor saw what was wrong and saw what the MRI didn't show. And, and then they fixed it. But, uh, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be out this year. It is bittersweet. You know, uh, I, I do get, I'm missing time because time with the guys is what I may really miss. I miss, you know, hanging out. I miss the grind, you know? And, uh, but I am here with the family day in and day out, which is, I'm, I'm a soccer dad, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out. I, I get to be with them every night and, it's been a blessing that for sure.
2: Love that. Yeah, man. I I uh I got I got designated. See, my son was born August twenty sixth. So I got designated September third, and we'll have to get into that story later because that story was wild. But I remember, like at the time, I was like, "Man, this sucks." And then looking back on it, like I literally missed. A couple days with my son, and the rest I literally have had gotten to see the rest of his life until he was like two years old because of that. Um, so like such a blessing, and then like totally, then twenty twenty gets gets yeah, you know everything happens. I get another two months with him, and Then twenty twenty one we get the lockout you get another two. So it's been you know like you said, I think it's been a bittersweet part for a lot of baseball players. I think you know yeah, most players, a lot of guys really enjoy what we do. I think, I think the majority yeah. of people enjoy what we do t- I mean, there are plenty of people that don't, there are plenty of people that come to the field every day and it's miserable to come to the field every day. Yeah. They're just uh, good at it. <laughs> huh? They're, They're just, just good, good at, at it. it. Yeah. And there's good. plenty of those people too. There's plenty of yeah. people that just, Hey, Hey, I want to come to the field. It's my job and I'm going to leave. Yeah. Even,
1: no. as somebody, even as somebody that doesn't spend much time in clubhouses at all, really it's like a working relationship with you guys. I've met those players that like, don't enjoy it they're just good at it and that's such a weird way to exist in this game i feel like yeah
2: so minor league level I, it's, exactly it's miserable you, if you think that in the minor leagues you better be really talented and get to the big leagues fast yes um cuz so you're you going to get tested
0: you're going to get tested you're not going to want to be doing the 13 to 14 hour bus trips with the bus breaking down oh man you remember you, know, you remember that iowa that iowa trip that night trip that we got but yeah yeah that we got broken down yes
2: hey how about this one albert i had back to back can't make this up last year back to back trips same bus same bus driver breaks down yeah back to back sleeper trips um you know I, that's why one thing that i always tell kids um whether they're happy sad whether they're in rookie ball or triple a whether they're in little league i got to tell everybody Every single player no matter what age and how long you play you get to take one thing from this game and that's the memories that you made while you were playing it. You're guaranteed to be able to take that. So I beg everybody everybody that I talk to I like I tell you I tell them that meaning I and this is how I use my corny statement but like I I say like play every day like it's your last. Nobody should ever have to tell you to play hard. That yeah. statement Play every day like it's your last to make you play hard. I don't want you on my team if you're not playing hard. Play every day like it's your last to me means if it's your last time ever playing and you look back, are you going to look back and go, dang, like I I, all the time thought about, think about all the times you were over four. Think about all the times you were sitting in the dugout because you weren't playing. Or are you going to think about the 14 hour road trips that sucked at the time, but now you look back, you're like, dude, that's awesome. Awesome you're staying in these tiny towns you're getting to spend months with your boys like all these great things that we get to do like you are guaranteed to have one memory whether it be happy or sad and i beg of you to make it happy because sure. this game this game's a blessing for so many people man and um it goes by quick man it goes by huh? quick it goes by quick too quick it goes by really quick you know it like by no like clearly there were people there before us. There are going to be people here after us. And that's the other thing I tell people about the game. Like if you don't have fun playing the game, I think that you should let somebody else have a chance to have fun playing the game. I, I don't believe that there's this massive group of people that our parents told us that uh, we should quit because there's all these people that could do it. Like, no, there's not this giant group of people that could do that could play major league baseball, but there is a big group of people that could play that would have fun. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I, watching Albert's fun, you know, you, you you always enjoyed being out there and took pride in that. And that's a, that's a huge part of this because, you know, it, our game is so mental. Yeah. Especially on the offensive side. And figuring out how to play this game with as little stress as possible is the key to success for the guys that do not see the ball like Mike Trout.
0: 100%. You know,
2: I, I truly believe that Aaron Judge and Mike Trout and those guys truly see – pitches differently than than the average human being you think so i have a point you know so brian harper you you had harper for a little bit brian harper talked about um like when you take a pitch when it's 3-0 and you take a pitch or when you're like bunting how pure does that ball look like how easy is it to see that pitch it's the best it's always the best pitch to hit always so his point was is that how mike trout sees every pitch damn if it is wow what a feeling right so so like outside of that group of players you have to figure out a way to to have as little stress as possible and the only way to do that is to have fun because if 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 you're not you're going to be you're it's not going to be fun because you're going to lose a whole lot you're going to do you're going to do a lot of things that you don't want to do and that's you know it's it's uh and Albert can attest to this more than anybody. You've you've done it for, for multiple seasons, but like I I've I I've heard from many players, and I, I reiterate the statement that once you're in the big leagues, it's not who can play the best through 162, it's who can get through 162. Like those dude, like when you are a major leaguer and you're on the major league roster for the whole year, it's not about like you're 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 surviving most of the time, you're surviving, not thriving. Yeah.
0: Like absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, you're weathering the storm. You're trying to weather the storm as it goes on and uh, not too high, not too low. These are these these are things that are easier said than done. But uh, I think that's where it goes back to culture and seeing the way your teammates react when they go through it. It makes a big difference. Like Javi was the best. Like Javi will have a bad game and be like, damn, today was tough. And you come back tomorrow and you try again. You know what I mean? He was. I thought he was the best at that. Um, some guys wear it the most, a little more. Some guys let it rub off. But I think that is the key to, to staying sane throughout 162. It's just, hey, letting it rub off. But I, I, I feel like it's tougher to me, for me to do that defensively. I've been better at the rest of it later on in my career. But early on, I felt like I had to be perfect. But uh, offensively, you can't you can't expect that. So I just uh, it was a it's a definitely a learning curve that you go through. I feel like yeah. the first the first one that I got faced with in my face was double A. when well, my first. Right. And Buddy, Buddy, was not Buddy Bailey, our manager? there it wasn't easy either. But I thank him. You know, I thank him at the end of the day for for being that tough and and really just keep having that that grind, that routine aspect, you know, of the game. Taylor could test that, too, the way the way he wrote day games after or night game after day game, or it's doesn't matter. He had our, he had our pre-work done and you had to do it. And it sucked in the moment, but like, like, like we say, we think about it now. And we were thankful for those moments.
2: Yeah. He, he was a, t- you know, Buddy Bailey. And I don't know, Jack, if you've seen Buddy Bailey's and Albert, I don't know that you've seen this. I saw a tweet. He's the fourth winningest minor league coach of all time.
1: Yeah. Isn't he in Myrtle I'm Beach? In
2: Myrtle Beach. Is he in
0: Myrtle still? Is in Myrtle?
2: Yeah. So, so, and Jack, he's a, he's a Venezuelan legend. Honestly, he's, he's still managing down there. He's won, he's won a crazy amount of championships. It's, it's wild, but you know, Buddy Bailey um, I think the thing about Buddy Bailey that I learned to appreciate as I got older, um, there are plenty of coaches that want you to put in the extra work that want you to do all this stuff. Buddy Bailey was out there with you doing it every single day. Like if yeah. he wanted you to do something, he was out there with you doing it. He may not have physically been able to run with you, or he what he didn't really throw a ton of BP, but like he was outside. He's fun he fun was watching he plays you helping you do it. He wasn't necessarily a super negative person. He would let you know when you're doing something wrong. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. <laughs> right away. <laughs> but uh, but he wasn't overtly negative, but he would be there with you. Like you felt like it was a journey. You knew he cared. And I think that's looking back like. You know, I talk about all the time. I think that coaching, the reality of coaching is that the best coaches are just the best teachers. And the best teachers figure out how the most people learn. And I think that at the time, Buddy Bailey was, that was like his love. Like, that was like his, hey, I'm here for you guys. Like, I'm coming out. Buddy Bailey didn't want to be in the big leagues. Buddy Bailey loved exactly where he was at. And he he wanted to make every single player better. And that added to the culture, right? Like yeah. that just to it, because yeah. he was doing everything he could every single day to help the Cubs win. Yeah,
0: he literally he loved winning. He, I mean, who doesn't? But that was
2: there. Were sometimes
0: like, oh, you know, certain at bats, he's like, you know, he wanted to win. He wanted to win, and that was his biggest thing. Always, always, always. It wasn't about the – He wanted to go. He wanted to kick everybody's ass. Oh my gosh!
2: Funny, and it's so funny because you know you go from him to to PV and I know very true, completely opposite. And, and Marty PV, Marty PV, yeah, Marty PV. I mean, Marty PV's been a huge influence in my career. Yeah, so but I'm gonna be biased, but you know, Marty PV was a grinder when he was playing. Like he wasn't given anything. He was a tough player, and then he became a coach early and he grinded his way through the coaching ranks yeah but he got it for the most part and you know you weren't having you weren't having uh you know you were having show and goes when you got home early from uh got home late you know you were doing those kinds of things you had that kind of feel where with buddy if the bus didn't was, care. Closed, that was our didn't fault care. it didn't matter didn't care. we were it, we, the bus driver we should have told the bus driver to get there earlier <laughs> so we were taking infield. It didn't matter. But,
0: hey, speaking, of, that was a good clubhouse too, man. That's even those six, 15, 16 Those are those are good clubhouses in Iowa. Those are
2: I like, know. They, and we had Christopher
0: Negron that one year. The,
2: that was, the seventeen clubhouse or this was the sixteen? No, the seventeen clubhouse with uh Chris Dominguez, Chris Negron, or was Negron? No, that was sixteen.
0: That was sixteen. That was sixteen.
2: Well, seventeen was Dominguez. Sixteen was Negron.
0: No, I played with Dominguez too. I, was I know in seventeen. Oh, was it seventeen?
2: Yeah, the only reason I know that is because he was with me when I got the call up to the big leagues. Oh, okay. Uh, he's coaching Division One right now. He's a head coach at a Division One in Kentucky. Nice, nice. Yeah, he, isn't he a Miami
0: guy? Is he a Miami guy?
2: He yeah. Went, yeah. So he's from Miami. Went to Louisville. Um, started coaching at this. Low, he met a girl. His wife's from from Louisville. He met a girl okay. there. Um, and then. Helped. He was an assistant at Bellerman, which is the school, and then he went to Miami for a year. He coached at Miami for a year. Okay. Then, he went, then he went back to Bellarmine uh, for one year, and then now he's a head coach. All
0: right. TD, so, what's, the, what's the goal? What's the goal for you? What do you want to be? You want to be a big league hitting coach?
2: No, I want to manage in the big leagues. I want to manage in the big leagues. I think, you know, we've talked about this, but, like, I think I've got the aptitude. I think I think I think I've got the – drive to do it yeah. i love the league too i want to be in the big leagues however whenever, that
0: is whenever you need a first base coach outfield guy hit me up.
2: you're in yeah sign sign you're in um no TD, I, want first... I want to do the first i want to i want to do that and then i want to go be a gm so then you can be my outfield then you can be my outfield coordinator Dick.
0: hell yeah let's do it can TD, we get another world series i'd love to win another world series somehow
1: true this is this is the first guest that i think we've had that has asked you questions
0: right
2: that is. You are. You're the first person. Oh, man. I love that. We've been,
0: yeah, I just I just know. I know my boy. TD. No. I know I I want to I'm a listen. I'm a lifer, man. I just want to pick your brain because after playing my play, hopefully, hopefully when I come back from this, I got four or five more years, maybe six. I'm still young, but hey, I want to transition sooner or later, man. And I want to I want to pick your brain.
1: Love that couple rapid fire before we let you go. You've got sixteen hundred big league plate appearances. What was your most uncomfortable AB? Who was it against?
0: Uncomfortable. Uh, You know what? Did you get that bat in the World Series? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that story right there. I I can't call it my most uncomfortable because it was so fast that I (laughs) I was. I'll never forget. I was in the dugout. I was in the cages getting ready. Whatever. Hey, you're gonna lead off this inning. Perfect. Who my face facing? Andrew Miller. All righty then. Let's go. <laughs> All right. This is the peak of Andrew Miller with those sliders and the 98. And um I went I I'll never forget, I got up to this to the box. It was cold. It was game, I think it was four or five. I don't know what it was. And I stand in there and I go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one first pitch right here. It's probably gonna be a fastball. If it's not a fastball, I'm gonna look crazy, but I'm gonna get us all I got. And I smoked it to right, and the um someone make a made a diving play on me, and I was out. But I I ran I ran the first. I came back and I took in. The, I remember taking that environment, and I was like, well, that happened quick. But I didn't think nobody paid attention to like my. It was the first pitch of the inning. But man, I hit it hard, and I was I was pumped about that one. But most uncomfortable, I think, this past year, honestly, was the lefty from Tampa, McCam, McCam, McClanahan, McClanahan. McClanahan. He was just—he throws a hundred, but he throws that ninety-mile-per-hour changeup, and then a cutter and a slider off that. You know what? I was just in there. Every—I feel like I—I I didn't have a good approach. I guessed wrong, or not guessed, but I just everything it I swung it. at was not what it I wanted it. to be, and wasn't a fun at bat.
2: That wasn't it. it
0: wasn't it? It wasn't it. I was. It, that was one day where I was just like, okay, please just move on. <laughs> just move on. Please just get me out of here. I love that. Like, oh Hit, me with a change up. Hit me with a change-up. Hit me with a change-up. Dude, it's because every time I was like, all right, fastball, change-up, change-up. All right, change-up, fastball. I was like, all right, here we go. You know what? Just, you got me, bro. You know what? I'm just going to stand here next time. I have a better chance of drawing four than, than hitting something. But no. Besides that, I feel like I can put up a good at bat against anybody. Just not, nah, just so at least, just get me off that guy.
1: Got you. A-L-E-S. Um, all right. You debut at twenty two. You're twenty eight years old now. What's like the the way that your game has changed the most since you
2: debuted?
0: <sighs> wow, I actually have a plan when I'm hitting. it. As, as much as I'm talking crap about that, those I do. I feel like I do have a better plan than when I came up. When I came up, I just kind of survived in the big leagues based on my ability to put the bat on the ball and to, to be a gamer and just help team wins defensively and get on base somehow. But I feel like now uh, uh, I've seen the ball better. I'm making better decisions swinging. I don't chase as much. So those are all positive things that I'm taking from these past seasons. Injuries have cut me the last couple of seasons short. But um, I'm I am maturing at the plate. And defensively, honestly, they're making, the way analytics things things are at, it's taken me a couple of years to adjust and be stubborn to, because I want to be stubborn to the way I am, the way I play. I like to play shallow. I like to take away hits. But, you know, these analytics things, they, they push a different narrative, and they really don't value that as much as, in my opinion, the way they, they should anymore. So, playing deeper, you know, you know, avoiding the walls is always a good thing, and that's that's uh, maturing with that a little bit as well, but. Um yeah, just growing, man. Like I said, the game is always gonna teach you something. Uh I enjoy the culture aspect of baseball now because since I did live that sixteen and seventeen teams, those teams are really close. When I get to a team that I kind of feel separated, I feel like it's not everybody's not in it. It is a challenge for me to get guys together to be either the funny guy or whatever kind of guy they need to be, you know, um, I don't think I'm that funny, but I, I I bring some type of uniqueness to a clubhouse. So, those are the type of things that you want to improve in, right? To, to have a, a mark somehow on the field, like is either as a, you're cheering your teammates on or you're picking guys up and letting knows whoever's playing that day what situation could help the team or things like that, man. I'm being a coach as a player; those are all fun things to me, um, and still going out there and balling. I I enjoy competing. I enjoy Hitting I I love turning on hundred mile per hour fastballs. So those are always fun.
1: I love that. Last one from me. And I love that Taylor brings this up consistently. And it's it's the most talented teammate versus best teammate that you've had, right? So I, I want a couple of your Damn. favorite teammates that you've had, not named Taylor Davis, because I'm I'm sure he'll pick <laughs> that list.
2: Okay, okay. Uh I'll tell you, I'll tell you, tell you mine is before you answer. answer. Before you answer. You know who mine is? John Jay. I agree. Those are John a Jay. Good one. I, I said, John Jay to me, I, I've said in the past, John Jay treated me like a person. Didn't treat me like a veteran. Didn't treat me like a rookie. Treat me like a person. That's yeah. all we want. That's
0: a, I, I Jay's my, I talked, I spoke to him yesterday on the phone. Like, uh, we're, we're close. He's awesome. He represents what, what we all want to be. You know, it's just a good person, had a good career. Everybody loves Jay. He's very knowledgeable, um, but yeah, uh, Jay's a great teammate. Oh man, I have so many good. Uh, so where what do I start? Are we doing just big leaguers? Or are we doing? I can go anybody. 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 Well, I, Steven Bruno is uh, TD knows Bruno. Bruno's kind of like my brother. That guy's that guy's a that guy's awesome. We had such a good. We connected really well. He knows how how much we honestly TD we connected well. A, these are conversations that we. Because there's some things that are just like baseball friends and then there's like real friends. You know, we, we talk outside too. We'll message each other, even if it's a small thing. But it, you message here and there, that's that's always good. But um, obviously Schwarber, because the guys that I came up basically guys that I came up with, you know, with
2: Vogelbach too with the Cubs. Those were – I feel like we, you, you, Vogelbach, and Bruno were pretty inseparable for a bit. Yeah, we,
0: we, I feel like we lived in the same house throughout the – every league that we were together in we always tried to stay together uh, every spring training I mean those guys vogie and Bruni, were were my guys man but uh and Schwab shorts too
2: hadts te- have you seen the ad uh that's like or maybe it was oh it my te- God, God. was stealing stealing second the Vogue? Vogelback
1: back one yes. The Vogue?
2: is that what we're talking about it's not but we can talk about that one <laughs> that was great I thought that was a1 performance by vogie and Buck um, no, I was going to say, there's a there's a TikTok that's going around, this guy's like, it said something like uh, the definition of a male's relationship. And it was like this guy, and she asked about some friend. He's like, oh, yeah, we've texted like five or six times in the past four years. She's like, oh, so you must not be that close. And he's like, no, I'd take a bullet for that guy. Yeah, yeah. That is the definition of like your friends in baseball. Absolutely. Like, we all get that like the six months that we work, if nobody texts you during the season, it's just whatever. Nobody really cares. Like, yeah. you don't text your friends until the off season. The big yep. joke that goes around like in September of, uh, I love, this is one of my favorite jokes, Jack is like, you'll get in September and guys will walk around the clubhouse and go, man, I can't wait until I can pick my own friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so true, man. You're forced. Dude. You're just like in everything, you know, it's, from hotels to the clubhouse, it's just all through. You know everybody. By the end of the season, you know everybody's routine. You know other people more than you know yourself. You know it's 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 it's. it's I'll never take it for granted, man. Coming back, if we come back to this game next year, I'm. I hopefully I'm coming with a different. Like really enjoy it because I'm hurting. It hurts not being there right now, knowing that I could play. And but ma, I mean I gotta take care of this arm. I still I'm still pretty weak.
1: Got you, hey man. Uh, tell you what, as somebody that grew up in Chicago, graduated high school in sixteen, so being around, knowing all that, oh, cool. keeping tabs, um, you play the game in such a fun way, and yeah. everybody that I grew up with and loved watching Albert Almora play baseball, and we will continue. Thank you. Show, so, well, so where were you, the where you in, uh,
0: in the World Series for the World Series?
1: I was sitting in uh, my dorm at Syracuse. Um, by the way, you were a Syracuse Met for a little bit. What were your spots that you hit in Syracuse? Real quick.
0: I didn't hit any spots, man. Syracuse. Oh, you know, so Syracuse was twenty-one. Um, I was. But oh, you up couldn't and down. Hit spots.
1: What's Yeah. That? You like couldn't hit spots in twenty-one. It
0: was COVID. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But uh, so twenty-one, I was up and down, and when I was. So, that was, the, that was the first year where you had the whole series a week, right? Monday yeah. or, or Tuesday to Sunday, correct? Yeah. So, I would do Tuesday to Sunday, and then s- Sunday after the game, i drive back to New York to spend the, the off day and the Tuesday with the family. So, I never really hung out Syracuse much. I hung out more in Louisville last year than I did – I went to the museum there. That was pretty – that's neat. Yeah. Louisville, so. But Syracuse, Syracuse is nice. I, I, I enjoyed – the, the stadium was nice. It had a lot of people always come out, but it was good. I, I enjoyed that team.
1: Yeah, so I, I was sitting in my dorm room in Syracuse watching that. But, uh, Taylor, last thing, the floor is yours to uh, wax poetic about Albert Elmore Jr., the guy. Oh,
2: man, Albert Albert's one of my best friends in this game, no doubt. You know, does things right on and off the field. He plays in the right way, whether it, wh- no matter the circumstance. But the one thing that I, like, I give Albert more is, like, he is as mentally strong a baseball player as I've seen, man. You know, Albert's come from a lot. It took him a lot to get to where he got, um, you know, not many people know his upbringing, but like Albert was not given anything that he got. And I think that that's a very big misnomer with a lot of, you've said it multiple times in this podcast, with a lot of top 10 high school prospects. Um, They're they're given some of this and um, boy, he had to earn everything he did. And I'm not sure I saw a first rounder that had to earn it his way to the big leagues more than I had to watch Albert earn his way to the big leagues. um, And, and just see that, that perseverance. And, you know, there's some other things that happened in there that I don't think were fair to Albert as, as far as what the team did, but that wasn't any of our decisions, but uh, just the fact that he was able to keep face and, and, you know, kind of keep persevering and like, I've talked about before, but it's like one of those things. And I think, you know, you really exemplified this, but you had, like, you understood that like, it wasn't, o- it wasn't an option. Like you were, you were going to have to do whatever this was that they were asking. You could either be pissed about it and do it, or you could be happy about it, figure out a way to make as much money and take as much money from them as you could and move on. And, um, I, I think that it's, that's very tough for a lot of people to do. So, um, yeah. It's, 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 it was a blast. That's pretty, that is,
0: that's pretty spot on. I appreciate I, I, hearing it in those words is, is very, I appreciate, I appreciate those words. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It hasn't been given to me and, but it hasn't been given to a lot of us and we gotta, we gotta grind and we gotta continue to grind. And I can, you know, I did sit back the other day. I was like, all right, 28, world series ring parts of seven years you know a pretty good career um and i'm excited for what's next i like i said i'm still young and i'll probably go till i till my body breaks and uh and then i'll help and then i'll help
2: kids you're going to go you're going to go until you start until you're not and you're not able to climb that tree anymore
1: dude but then you got to yeah. start you got to spot on td's coaching staff
0: yeah yeah so i'm, I'm going to need him to do the hard work Right okay. now to bust through the levels for the next like the next four or five years so I can finish and then just get a nice little job. I don't want to. I don't want to go. You know. I mean. I, I love
2: that. I'm all in
0: on that. I'm all in on doing the work. All right. All right. And then and then we'll take we'll we'll take a picture and we'll toast with us a World Series ring when we win. When we win the. Let's let's, I'm telling you, we could do it. We could do it. Why not? Let's do I it. it. I love it
1: i'm gonna take you up on a on a rehab update on this so we're gonna get you back on the show at some point this summer and yeah get
0: me back break. we'll talk about childhood we'll talk about some cool stuff man
1: this was stuff. great thank you albert
0: thanks jack thanks uh td love you bro good luck i'll see you guys